Hello and welcome to the Becker's Healthcare CEO plus CFO virtual event. We are so excited to have you join us for today's session titled Innovations in Pediatric and Children's Healthcare. The pandemic accelerated trends toward virtual care, digital transformation and innovation in 2020 and pediatric healthcare is no exception. During this panel, we will touch on how to build a culture of innovation, key investments and what organizations can do immediately to position themselves for growth in the future. I'm Laura Deirda with Becker's Healthcare and I'll be your moderator for today's panel. Before I introduce the panelists, I would like to go over just a few housekeeping items. We will have time at the end of today's panel for a short question and answer session. You can submit any questions you have throughout the presentation by typing them into the Q&A box that you see on your screen. If we don't answer your questions during the event, we will be sure to follow up with you after the event. We look forward to hearing your questions. You will also find a few more engagement tools on your dashboard, so please be sure to check out the resources section and fill out our event survey. Finally, this session is being recorded and will be available on demand following today's event. We will send you instructions on how to access the on-demand recordings when this event concludes. Now it's my pleasure to introduce our panelists. We have Dr. Nathaniel Beers, President of HSC Healthcare System in Washington, D.C., Todd Centropak, President and CEO of Valley Children's Healthcare in California, and Kathy Gorman, Executive Vice President and COO of Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. Now, I'll let our panelists introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about their backgrounds before we jump into the questions. Kathy, can we start with you? Sure, thank you so much, Lauren. It's great to be with you here today. Um, I'm Kathy Gorman, and I'm the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Children's National Hospital here in Washington, D.C. Um, by way of background, I'm a nurse, and I've been a nurse for well over 30 years and have had the privilege of serving Children's National in this capacity for the past eight years as the Chief Operating Officer. Um, I have a wealth of background, primarily in quality safety, uh, and that started here at Children's National many years ago and uh, back in 1995, and I had the distinct privilege of uh, working at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia as the Chief Nursing Officer uh, as well during my career. So it's great to be with you and we look forward to the conversation. Thank you so much. And Todd, could you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Happy to, Laura, and, and thanks for having me on, on a great panel with great colleagues. Uh, Todd Sundrapak, I have uh, been at Valley Children's in various roles. In fact, similar to Kathy, since 1995, so a, a long time. Uh, in roles from strategy to uh, the previous role that I had uh, before uh, taking office as CEO uh, about nine years ago was as Chief Operating Officer, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, which is a fantastic, fantastic uh, role. Um, prior to Valley Children's, I dabbled in the Fortune 500 world a little bit and uh, then came home to my, my roots at Valley Children's. I'm actually a native of this part of our state and was a patient. Uh, at the original uh, Valley Children's Hospital that opened in 1952. And so uh, I have three children. All of them have been uh, patients uh, at Valley Children's as well as both of my nephews and, and the list goes on. So it's kind of a, a family affair. It's, uh, it's been a, a great and rewarding career uh, to be a part of a, a network of exceptional 
people that are engaged in pediatric healthcare. Fantastic. We already have a ton of experience on this panel, which is great. Um, Nathaniel, could you tell us a little bit about your background as well? Sure. Uh, I'm Nathaniel Beers. I'm the president of the HSC Healthcare System, which is a subsidiary of Children's National. Uh, I have been at HSC for over four years now, um, but like the rest of the panel, I joined Children's National in 1995 to keep consistent with the theme um, and have been on and off with Children's National over those uh, past years, uh, similar to Kathy. Um, and I'm back in uh, when we joined Children's in Integration uh, a little over a year ago now. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician um, and uh, continue to practice and see patients. I really look forward to our discussion today. Thank you so much. And now we'll begin with defining innovation because I know that people can uh, think about that differently. Nathaniel, can I start with you? How would you define innovation and what is your philosophy around innovation within the organization? I think innovation is the opportunity to start to think about how are we solving for the dilemmas that are in front of us and what kinds of new opportunities exist. and. And for me as a leader, it is about creating that space to make sure uh, that the team uh, is, is really thinking beyond what they're doing day to day um, and starting to look forward to how they are uh, preparing for the future, but also preparing for the needs. And so part of that is also making sure that there really truly is space uh, for us to innovate on behalf of the patients and families we serve, but not on them. And so making sure that there's adequate voice for them to be involved in that conversation and leading that conversation uh, so that we're responding to the needs that they have uh, in a way that allows us to uh, think beyond our current day-to-day. -day. Got it. That's a really fantastic way to think about innovation. Kathy, do you have anything to add there? You know, Nathaniel really hit the nail on the head, and I think it's really around creating that culture of innovation that is critical. And, and it is about the long-term success of an organization. So an organization that can innovate and can think differently, that can change, will survive. One that cannot, will not survive, particularly now in this new future, in this new world that we live in. But I think that um, creating that culture of innovation is critical. And I would ask that with, or, or uh, share that with innovation also uh, comes risk taking. Uh, you've got to be willing to take a little bit of a risk and you've got to be willing to uh, fail fast and fail often and move forward. Um, so all of those things that Nathaniel said, you know, I would just build upon those. That's a great point and so interesting to think about, you know, innovation being coming part of how you live your day-to-day -day life within the health system, being able to try new things and then move on for the, from those that don't work. How do you integrate that culture or build that culture of innovation within the health system, especially when there's so much going on? Um, I just love to hear from your point of view, you know, some of the things that you have done or other health systems can do to make sure they're really promoting that kind of culture within the organization. Well, first of all, as I said, I think it's a culture and it just doesn't happen overnight. It starts clearly with the leadership at the top, and we have an incredibly innovative CEO that is just constantly thinking about the next step and looking over the horizon to see how do we need to innovate and how do we need to do things differently. And so with that, um, over the past years has come many uh, areas of innovation that we have expanded upon at Children's National. One of them is our new research and innovation campus that will be opening later this year. 
which we're very, very excited about. It's 160,000 um, square feet of, of really of a research and primary care and a rare disease institute to really further advance the health and care of children. So that's one area. The other area is, um, is our partnership and how we have integrated with HSC um, and the, the organization that Nathaniel leads and how we've created a strong collaboration, a strong integration to create what we believe is one of the most comprehensive healthcare systems for pediatrics in the country that spans from primary care to home or to the school to home care to quaternary care, et cetera, across the continuum. And uh, Nathaniel may want to expand on that more. Yeah, I think that that, that uh, continuum of care allows us to start to think about that innovation and it allows a large hospital system like Children's National to have a smaller system within it uh, that can really function in an innovative space and be a testing ground, as Kathy said earlier, for new ideas and, and to pressure test that. But one of the reasons we were able to come together and, and integrate was because we maintained that focus on the patient and family and what their experience was going to be throughout that continuum of care and made sure that we were reflecting on that throughout the process instead of uh, just thinking about it as sort of a traditional merger and acquisitions and assets uh, being transferred hands, but really it was about making sure that the vision existed at both institutions to really prioritize the care uh, that we were providing. It's interesting to see behind that decision-making process and really you know, understand how um, two organizations coming together can make a difference for patients and, and bring innovation and technology and whatnot together in order to make that happen. That's fantastic. Um, Todd, I wanna to hear from you now. Could you talk a little bit about innovation um, on your side of things and really how you've been able to build a, an organizational culture around innovation? Sure, Laura, I'm happy to. I, I think for us at Valley Children's, uh, innovation's um, really in our DNA. Our organization was founded by five young moms that did not want their uh, children to have to travel four or five hours to receive pediatric care, uh, which was um, a huge undertaking. Uh, they didn't have the money, they had to raise it, they bought the property, they built the building, and you know, some 70 years later, here we are, but they are uh, still the focal points in our organization. Everybody knows who they were, uh, knows their, their subsequent generations of their family, and that, that really sets the stage uh, for an organization that, as, can, as Kathy mentioned uh, earlier, uh, continue to adapt, continue to evolve, continue to meet the needs of our communities that we serve. And then we recently took it uh, a step farther and decided, and very similar to what Kathy and uh, Nathaniel have described, that we needed to make additional structural changes. So we actually have an executive uh, over innovation uh, that reports to me. We purchased um, uh, an ownership uh, in the Innovation Institute, which has an innovation lab. And, and we're not the only ones, Children's Hospital Orange County uh, and, and many other health systems uh, have an ownership stake in that organization. So we, we took the approach to blend 
exterior, uh, external resources, and internal. Uh, the internal um, includes, as I said, an executive and then an individual uh, at the management level that is on site every day to work with the team uh, to help flesh out ideas, shepherd them through both the internal processes and the external as appropriate. We just this past weekend, as luck would have it, co-hosted with Microsoft uh, our first hackathon, uh, which we had over a hundred hackers uh, participate from all over the country. Uh, it was virtual, I should say, and uh, had a really exceptional result. And I think uh, Dr. Beers made a, a really um, important point that would be so easy to take for granted or move over and that is that you have to create the space in your organization for innovation to occur. People need time uh, as well as organizational resources and support to really think about uh, the challenges ahead of them or how to make things better and, and then have time to talk with each other and research uh, with one another and interface uh, as they flesh out ideas. I think as Kathy said, very important to fail early and fail often as part of the process of innovation. And so uh, I think it's, it's, as I said, very similar um, to what Kathy and Dr. Beers has, have mentioned uh, with a, maybe a slightly different uh, California twist, uh, but just slightly. Uh, but I think, I think we're all kind of in the same lane. That's great to hear. And so adding on to some of the ideas of being able to have the space uh, to innovate and the ability to make the mistakes, to fail fast and move on, as well as have the resources and support from the top of the organization to really get into some of the innovative initiatives, it sounds like are very essential um, to building a, an organization that's strong and really has innovation and patient at the center, patience at the center, which is great. Um, now I want to switch gears here slightly, given that frame of reference, to talk a little bit about some of the trends uh, in children's healthcare organizations today. Nathaniel, I want to start with you. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing as a leader, and how are you solving them? Uh, certainly, given the current uh, pandemic that we are in, uh, but but always when you're talking about innovation, it's uh, important for us to recognize the pace of change that people can tolerate. Um, and certainly right now, as people have uh, had to uh, relearn all kinds of things and, and do things that we never expected to be doing, uh, and certainly in the pediatric healthcare space, relearning some adult medicine as needed uh, to help support our adult medicine colleagues uh, as they've been stretched thin. Um, but that is uh, uh, something that we have to continue to reflect on and, and, and make sure that we're uh, responsive to our organization and, and preparing uh, our organization. Uh, the other pieces is really around resources and making sure, again, uh, that you uh, have an organization that uh, is making sure there's funding that is allowing you to try things and to fail at things um, and to be willing to sort of put aside those things that you find aren't going to work. Um, and not to be afraid to step away from some of those sometimes. But I think that those are sort of the big three things that we uh, think about as we think about sort of what are the challenges that we face right now um, as we are trying to continue to innovate uh, in this space during the pandemic. 
Got it. Very interesting. Uh, Todd, are you seeing similar challenges? Where do you think your biggest challenge or challenges lie right now? I think the concern I have that's the greatest right now is around mental and behavioral health issues for uh, kids that are um, not able to be in school in person to a large degree, not able to engage with their friends. Um, I think in talking to colleagues across the country, we see uh, the effect of the pandemic as an uptick in non-accidental trauma um, so, or child abuse. But even, even to a less uh, severe outcome, I'm very worried about what's happening with our kids um, emotionally through this time. It's, it's not the same uh, to sit in front of a screen. All of us learn differently. That's well established. And, and I know Dr. Beers could really comment on that the best of, of this panel. We all learn differently. And so being so visually based is difficult for kids. And, and we hear more and more about their frustrations. They, they don't feel like they're learning as richly as they would if they're in the classroom. And, and that's just the educational part. When you marry that to that experience that uh, a child has today with their may possibly inability to visit their grandparents or their aunts and uncles and cousins and their extended family, it's, a, it's a, as fast paced as this world is. Uh, it's a very narrow existence for kids right now, in my opinion. And so I'm most concerned right now about how we as an organization can help educators uh, do what they are trying to do in a way that uh, is additive, develop toolkits for them, how we can uh, create additional resources for families to talk about these things and additional resources for kids. And and uh, unfortunately, I think this is not going to be over in a few months or even six months. Um, I think uh, we all need to really focus in on how do we adjust to a new normal and protect the mental health of our kids. Absolutely, an extremely important issue um, in terms of making sure kids are able to navigate these extraordinary times and especially as you mentioned, you know, the mental health aspect of trying to um, transition to virtual learning and to get used to the social norms, I guess, for this time. Um, Kathy or, or Nathaniel, do you have any thoughts you want to take on there? Are you um, doing, having any efforts, I guess, along a similar vein in terms of resources for families and children? Well, let me just say, Todd, thank you so much for raising this critical issue because it is on the forefront of everyone's mind, and you've stated it so well. Um, we are worried. We are worried about the mental health of our children and the long-term sequelae of what this pandemic um, is going to bring. And we don't know. Nobody knows. But um, this, I'll turn it over to Nathaniel, but we have both been partnering in many ways in this space within our organization around advancing the mental health services available for our children, and one of the ways we've done that is to advance our telehealth services. And so the majority of our psychiatric um, visits right now and psychology visits are telehealth. 
just as in many pediatric hospitals across the country. And that is one way of reaching most children. But not every child has the ability to have a computer or to have an iPad or a smartphone in their hands because they may be socioeconomically disadvantaged or come from a very vulnerable population. So trying to reach those children is a challenge. But Nathaniel is really an expert on this. And it was his background in the schools. He was the previous chief operating officer at the District of Columbia Schools and, of course, a physician as well. So, Nathaniel, I'll turn it over to you to, to talk about that as well. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you, Todd, uh, for bringing that up. I mean, I think certainly, uh, as we know, during this pandemic, uh, our kids have been suffering greatly. Um, and I think that uh, it is required a lot of innovation uh, to provide the telehealth uh, services. We've been talking about telehealth for uh, probably close to two decades uh, now in some way, shape or form, um, but the speed of adoption certainly has uh, been much more rapid in the last uh, 12 months than it probably was in the last 12 years. Um, and so I think we've got uh, a real opportunity to think and learn about how we uh, provide that care, uh, to reimagine um, how we are going to be able to support our kids with our most complex needs, um, who are seeing multiple subspecialists um, in their lives um, and using that uh, space um, I do think that uh, we have, as Kathy noted earlier, been uniquely positioned to engage in this space um, because of the fact that Children's National does have the school nurses uh, and provide school nursing services during the normal year, um, as well as uh, expertise uh, in uh, our uh, developmental pediatrics, as well as uh, complex care needs. And so um, it did afford us the opportunity to push forward um, and support both the school systems um, in thinking about reentry. And we've done a consultative work with school systems to help them develop their plans, as well as webinar supports for uh, our broader community of teachers and principals and parents and families as well as some that were specifically focused for youth in our community uh, to make sure that there was space for them to ask their questions and to hear from other uh, adolescents and, and to be able to create some conversation. And so I do think that what we know is that this is not going to be sort of over quickly. And we know that we're also going to need to continue to support the broader uh, health beyond just physical health of all of the children in uh, and adolescents in the United States and around the world uh, to make sure that they can recover uh, from the psychological and emotional and physical aspects of this pandemic. That's a great point and so interesting to think about, you know, what they might need over the next, as you mentioned, two to three years as we're continuing to go through this pandemic and then as we get to the other side of it and another new normal, what exactly that will look like for our children and how they'll need to um, rely on you know the community organizations as well as health systems to help them through that. Um, I do want to talk about growth and evolution, but first mm -hmm. I wanted to inquire on the panel about um, some of the investments that you plan on making over the next year. Todd, can I start with you? Um, what investments do you anticipate making in 2021, especially given some of the challenges that we've talked about, um, whether it's accessibility to technology or virtual care or some of the mental health um, resources. What do you, where do you see yourself really um, investing in terms of what you'll, you'll need over the next year? Thank you, Lauren, great question. I think we'll first and foremost continue to invest in our team, make sure that 
we take the necessary steps to avoid any um, reduction in our team or disadvantage our ability to provide care in the way that we always have. And in, in a time when revenues are really reduced due to volumes being uh, reduced, that's a, an important, for us at least, uh, thing to keep our eye on. Uh, so I think continuing to invest in, invest in the team, continuing to progress our organization's agenda around service development uh, will uh, be important. I think the um, whole notion of the digital space in uh, healthcare, uh, whether that's the telehealth feature or, or uh, more uh, palm top uh, connectivity and tools to assist patients and families will be another area that we uh, continue to do a deep dive on and invest in. Innovation, obviously, uh, we will continue our investments there. And then I think we're going to invest in both our internal team from a leadership standpoint and maybe with some external uh, colleagues to think about and take an opportunity to think about in the future, is this the best way to do things? And, and I can't give you a, a list of concrete examples of uh, what I mean by is this the best way to do things, but uh, the question of uh, the volume and type of telehealth visits that are done is one that I think is uh, a really, producing a really rich narrative in our organization. Because obviously some uh, visit types are very appropriate for a telehealth um, format and others, uh, you need the patient to be at the organization, whether that is a, a regional site or the main campus. And so we have all been reacting really quickly to the uh, reality presented to us by the pandemic, but now we, need, we realize we need to be more planful in the way we utilize the tools that are currently available, how we identify new tools to be deployed and then how we imagine beyond that, what tools we may need to continue to provide the level of care that's important and to create a safe um, way to do it that is, is in a pandemic or a post-pandemic environment. So those are a few areas that we'll continue to uh, invest in. It's great to know it and think about how you'll be spending, obviously, as you mentioned, the limited resources and precious resources from the health system to invest in, you know, the teams that are making an impact today and have the potential to, to really um, improve care in the future. Kathy, I wanted to ask you a similar type of question. When you look at um, Children's National over the next 12 to 24 months, how do you anticipate it will grow and what types of investments will you make? Well, similar to Todd, we'll be really evaluating the resources that we have to make sure that we can, uh, we can focus and target on those key strategic initiatives. One that is, that is the basic, though, is to make sure that we maintain in this kind of new COVID cadence, right, that we're keeping our employees safe from a safety perspective, our staff safe, and our patients safe as well. So I think all of those are critical. But beyond that, um, in the next uh, actually, in the next uh, nine months, 
we'll be opening up our research and innovation campus that I mentioned. That's a $200 million investment that will come to fruition. On that, we'll have a rare disease institute on it, as well as primary care. We'll be expanding our primary care footprint beyond that in the District of Columbia as well. So that is a huge investment. And within that research innovation campus, um, J-Labs, uh, we are very excited. They'll be joining Children's National as a key partner, as well as Virginia Tech. So we have key partners that are going to be in this research and innovation campus. So we'll be focused uh, there as far as expanding. But the other areas that we'll continue to invest in is um, new strategic growth. And in particular, as we look at um, those services, those complex services that our patients and families need, um, we will continue to invest in those clinical teams to advance um, those services. We will continue to advance and address our IT, both um, infrastructure and security needs as well. So as we look at expanding and knowing that telemedicine is here to stay and that is, that's a very good thing, how do we leverage it? Dr. Beers talked about that earlier. And as did Todd, how do we leverage the um, telemedicine and the, the strategy to make sure that we're using it to the best of its capabilities to advance care? And um, so those are, the, those are the main areas. But what I'd like to say is that we'll also continue to advance our strategic intervention that we have uh, with the Hospital for Sick Children or HSC um, healthcare system. Uh, and that includes, with a key focus on keeping our patients and families at the center, those children with very complex medical needs, making sure that we're building out the infrastructure and the supportive services that they need uh, to be delivered in a seamless manner. So Nathaniel may want to speak more to that. Sure. I think um, beyond, I think, what Todd and Kathy have talked about in investing in staff and making sure that we're sort of uh, continuing the work that we've been doing, I think that uh, we start to think about um, the spaces of interoperability, right, for our complex care patients in particular who are relying on many different systems often in order to achieve care. Uh, they uh, need to make sure that that data is flowing between all of those various uh, providers and systems. Um, and then uh, HSC, as part of its healthcare system, actually has the reflection of being a, a Medicaid managed care plan as well. And so uh, thinking of that from the insurer's perspective as well uh, means that we are really uh, trying to ensure that we are uh, thinking about those investments in ways um, that are going to support uh, our families in meaningful ways, uh, in addition to the, the innovations around care and, and really around um, reimagining where we are providing that care. Um, and uh, as Todd mentioned, not being limited by the systems that we currently provide care in um, and thinking that that may, is the best place for us to continue to provide care. Because uh, certainly if we've learned nothing in the pandemic, uh, patients are accessing care in different ways than we ever thought they might. Um, and if we as healthcare systems don't learn how to respond, uh, then we are going to continue to experience challenges going forward. Well, fantastic. Thank you all so much for being here today. This has been a great panel. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but Kathy, Todd, Nathaniel, this has been a fantastic discussion. I look forward to continuing it in the future.